The age-old story of Easter, a miraculous and triumphant story of death and resurrection, a story of the King of Kings and a prophecy fulfilled. Ordinary people encountered Jesus on his way to the cross and their lives were forever changed. But one encounter is yet to be explored. This Easter, join us as we celebrate the encounter. Thank you for joining us for the last week of our series, Encounters. I've had a, just a ball teaching this series. And today, uh, as we get ready to bring it to an end, uh, I want to challenge us to, to observe an unexpected encounter that Jesus had in an unusual place. That unusual place was the place of unanswered prayer. Right there. In the place of unanswered prayer, God, Jesus had an incredible encounter when the father said no at the very moment when he needed the father to say yes. And it's in this space that we want to learn that one of the most incredible God encounters that we can ever have is actually in the place of unanswered prayers. So let me give you the context quickly for the scripture. Today, we celebrate Palm Sunday. It was on that Sunday that Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem and they cut palm trees and laid out their, pulled off their coats and, and celebrated him as he came with singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But, but by the time we get to the text that I'm just about to read, all of the cheers have ceased. He has had what is known as the Last Supper with his disciples. And now they have gone out to the Garden of Gethsemane. Really, we think it was one of his regular praying grounds. And, and he took three of his disciples uh, over with him uh, to a more uh, secluded part of that garden. And then the text tells us that he walked just a little further. And then we get this prayer uh, for us. Listen to these words. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. And of course, at this time, he has been gripped by all of the anxiety, all of the terror, everything that is involved in his impending crucifixion, that horrible, unimaginable situation. And here's what he says. He prays this prayer. Father, if you are willing, please, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. And then, notice these words, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. And he continued to pray more fervently. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. There's the reading. And to that prayer, the father answered, no. At the time when Jesus most needed a yes, perhaps this is the only time in all of eternity that the father says to the son, no. As we think deeply about Jesus hearing this, no, obviously it should call to mind those moments when we have desperately sought and needed an answer from God. 
And the answer came, no. And as we consider that in the context of prayer, last week we talked about prayer, we're talking about it again this week. And as we think about why is it that the father would say no to his son in that moment, a couple of things come to mind that I want to make sure we're clear. First of all, we need to be clear about the purpose of prayer. And in order to be clear about the purpose of prayer, we've got to actually get clear about the nature of God and the nature of God's story. Here's the deal, guys. From Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning of creation to, to, the, to, the, to the unfolding of eternity. You know what life is all about? Life is ultimately all about God's story. And God is the major character in his story. And check it out, guys. We are the supporting cast. I know that's a surprise to some of us because we feel like God is in our story. But ultimately, we're in God's story. And when you read throughout the biblical text, whether you're reading about Moses or Marion or, or Mary or Joshua, they're all supporting cast. Now, the supporting cast is important. If you watch the Oscars, you know they give out Oscars to, you know, to the, to the, to the Oscar, to the, you know, male supporting actor, the best male supporting actor, best female supporting actor. Important. But the story is God's story. And it is God's will that gave birth to creation. And it is God's will that is shaping the plot of God's story as it moves through a creation that has been twisted and broken by sin in a billion and one different ways. But it is God's story and it is his will that shapes the plot. Let me say it another way. God does not exist to serve you and me. I know that's the revelation. We exist to serve God. Now listen, it is true that God blesses us and serves us out of his generosity and out of being in authentic relationship with us. And yet that is not the primary reason why he exists. He exists to drive his agenda through creation, his story. We exist to serve God. We exist to serve God. Listen, long before Jesus showed up in the Garden of Gethsemane, early in his ministry, here's what Jesus says as in the fullness of his humanity, he, he models for us what a relationship with the Father should look like. Here's what he says in John chapter 5. He says this, I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Do you see that? As he's modeling who we're supposed to be in relationship with God, he states his mission statement. He says, listen, the mission statement of my life is to carry out the will of him who sent me. If you are a believer, uh, even if you're not a believer, let me just say, that should be the mission statement of your life. To carry out, whether you're going from middle school to high school, whether you're going from high school to college, about to, to join the military, whatever your course of life, building a business, the number one thing, the vision statement for your life should be simply this. I exist to carry out the will of him who sent me into the world. Think about that as you think about your ideal for prayer. You see, prayer is not about God serving us. Prayer is about us coming to know this incredible God who's at the very center of his own story and coming to understand more completely the will of God that drives the plot of all of life itself. Wow, that's prayer. And while you think about that, 
we're keeping in the back of our minds this notion, how could the Father say no to Jesus at a time when Jesus most needed him to say yes? Now we hear echoing in the background, though. Jesus is teaching us long before he got there, I'm here to serve the will of the Father. There must be a connection there somewhere. Connection there somewhere. This is a good opportunity for us then to step back and ask the question out loud what we've often asked quietly. How come God perhaps didn't answer a prayer that I prayed? Right when I needed God to answer that prayer. Let me suggest to you that there are four possible reasons for you to consider why God said no when you desperately needed God to say yes. Or maybe some of you are praying with prayer right now, and you're saying, I just can't understand why, why he's not answering. And let me just suggest to you, really from God's perspective, there's no such thing as unanswered prayer. No, no, no. From God's perspective, either God says yes, or God says yes, but wait, or God says an emphatic No. All right, here's the first thing to consider. Perhaps God hasn't answered your prayer yet the way that you want it, the way that you're expecting because of God's timing. Can you just type that in the chat? God's timing. Can you just say God's timing? Here's Paul's answer to the question. But why did it take God so long to send his son Jesus into the world when for millennium people were praying for the Messiah to come? And here's how Paul answers the question. Paul says in Galatians 4, when the right time came, that's when God sent his son. I like the King James Version of that. In the fullness of time, uh, uh, put it another way, when time became ripe, <laughs> when the conditions were set. You know, this weekend, we're celebrating at NBCC our eighth year anniversary. And I just wanted to give a shout out to all of our NBCC partners, those who helped to launch us and those who have been so committed and supported. And those of you who have joined us along the way uh, here in the local Bay Area, others are watching across the country and some even across the world. You've been so faithful. I want to thank you. A huge shout out to our staff and our team. Does the hard work every day. I got the best team on the planet. Praise be to God. But as I think about our anniversary this weekend, and I think about it in the context of God's timing. You know, the first facility that we had was on Springer Road, and it was a seven-day Adventist church that we were leasing. And we told the people that we would only be there about six months to a year because we were sure that we could find our own building. Three years later, we were still there. And I can't tell you how many countless buildings we had within a certain parameter had, had, had searched out this one and 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 this one. And each time, it appeared that the answer was no. And then the third year, right around the time of our anniversary, we were notified by the church that they were not going to renew our lease anymore. <laughs> In other words, it's time for y'all to go. You know, we were, we were having multiple gatherings there. They, they were like, we want our facility back. And so we started searching again. They gave us three months, and we looked at over 70 other uh, possibilities, and every one of those 
closed doors. And then around the same time, can somebody say God's timing? The same time, there's a synagogue in Redwood City who had, gotten, who had been burned down many decades before. Churches took the people from the synagogue in, helped them to rebuild their synagogue. And so as a part of their mission, that this particular synagogue would, would, would house a church as a part of their mission. And for the last, watch this, three years they had been housing a church. But right along the time we got the, the word that, that we were, our lease was not going to be renewed, that church decided in the synagogue that they were going to exit. And the next thing we know, the synagogue reached out to us and says, hey, you guys want to come? And be housed in our facility. It was outside of the parameters that we had been paying attention to. But God made it clear that we needed to say yes. Can somebody say God's timing? And so we go to the Redwood City area. And we, 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 we become a part of the facility of, of Temple Beth Jacob. And oh, what a fabulous, fabulous host they have been for us to us ever since. But then it wasn't our building. We were still praying for our own building, one that we would control. It would be a year and a half later. Just a few weeks before our fifth year anniversary, y'all, we would be notified that there's a building, the second largest concert hall in, in San Jose called the Trianon Building Facility was, was coming up for sale. And we checked it out. It was a perfect facility. I reached out and talked to a friend of mine and said, hey, would you buy that building for us and then, and then, and then sell it back to us? And he said, oh, the Trianon? I just looked at that building. I was thinking about buying that building. Can somebody say God's timing? And, 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 and he said, sure. And he went on and purchased the building for us and then turned it over to us. Ultimately, over the next few years, we'll have to buy it back from us. But for the last several years, he just turned it over to us. And it was just in time for us to renovate it just before the pandemic hit. And now I'm preaching to you all across the country and all over the world from this facility with a campus in Ridwood City and a campus in San Jose and an online campus fulfilling God's vision for us. Can somebody shout God's timing? God's timing. God's timing. So I just want to say to somebody, you, you, you've tried this and you've tried that, and it seems like the answer is a no. It seems like the answer is a no. But, but, but it could possibly be that God has already said yes, but is a yes, not yet. Just keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking, not to persuade God to do what he doesn't want to do, but for God to, to, to keep leading you through the process of asking and seeking and knocking until the, until the timing is right. Tell somebody, just hang on in there, hang on in there, just hang on in there. Sometimes it's a yes, but not yet. Timing. You know, when I think about death, for example, that has everything to do with timing also, doesn't it? You know, early in his ministry, Jesus said these incredible words talking about death. Here's what he says in John chapter 9. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. But night, can somebody shout night, type it in the chat, night. Night is coming when no one can work. 
You see, in Jesus' day, he lived in an agrarian culture, and so when the sun went down, when night came, there was no artificial light to keep things rolling 24 hours a day like it is here. You know, only the stars and the moon. So all work ceased. And what Jesus was saying is, I've got an assignment to do, and I got just so much time to do it, and I have just so much earthly life to do it. As a matter of fact, for Jesus, it was 33 years, and his ministry was only three, about three and a half uh, years of that entire 33 years. He says, you know, I've got to do the work while I've got the lifespan to do it. And he was saying to all of us, we all have just so much time before night comes. For some, it's eight years. For some, it's 80 years. For some, it may be 10 years. For others, it may be 105 years. I've, I've heard reports of, of that recently all across the, the globe. It may be 60 years. You know, God gives us a different allotments of time. And when our time is out, and so at the end of the day, it's not how long I live, is it? It's, it's, it's whether or not, it's what I do with the life that God has given me inside of God's story. And sometimes we're asking God to intervene, but the time is up. Now, there are occasions when prayer makes a difference, even in the context of time. I think of a story in 2 Kings chapter 20. There's a fellow by the name of Hezekiah. God sent Isaiah the prophet to him and said, tell uh, Isaiah his time is up. Tell him to get his house in order. And as Isaiah was exiting, the scripture says that Hezekiah turns and through the power of prayer, he engages God with tears coming and essentially says, come on, God. Can I have a little bit more grace? And God stops Isaiah before he leaves the courtyard and says, turn around, go back and tell Hezekiah, I've given him 15 more years. Every now and then, the power of prayer activates the grace of God. Listen, I've seen this in, real, in, in my own life. Listen, I, I remember a fellow by the name of Andre Bell back in Boston, Massachusetts. I, I remember standing by his bedside. The doctors had convened the family, and the doctors said to them, he might have 24 hours. If there's any family members who's not here, you need to get them here as soon as possible. We've done all we can. And when the doctor left the room, I had an unction of the Spirit of God. I said to the family, I turned to the family, and I usually don't say this. I said, listen, we've heard from the doctor. Has anybody checked in with Jesus? And we prayed all night long, guys. And I tell you, the next morning, his vital signs shifted. Three days later, he was walking his mother to the elevator. And listen, uh, within a, two weeks, he had exited the hospital. And that young man lived an extra nine years has that they sometimes prayer activates the heart and the grace of God and, and you get a little extra but then there are other occasions where time is just up I'm thinking now of a young man by the name of Bryant look he was a fabulous one of the founding partners one of the founding partners of of NBCC, a part of our ministry back in my abundant life days as well. And a dreaded disease took him at the age of 23 years old. I remember spending time with him. I remember him sharing a story with me. He said they had tried every possible treatment. No and no and no. And finally his father came to the door and said, son, we found one more experimental treatment. And Bryant told me that he said to his dad, Dad, listen, God said no. 
I said, no. And Bryant said that maybe a few days later, his mom came and said, listen, Bryant, you can't give up. People all over the world are praying for you. The church family is praying for you. And Bryant said, I know that. I, I appreciate that. He says, but mom, didn't you hear? I had preached a message on prayer, you know, maybe a year early. He said, didn't you hear what Pastor Herman said in his message? He says, listen, we can't treat prayer like, uh, like a coin that you place in us in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a Coke machine. And, and, and push the button of faith and expect to get out everything that you want all of the time. That's not how it works. He says, God has said no. And as I talked with Brian, I was just blessed by how he read it himself. And because, you know, he was a believer in Jesus. And watch, check this out. Part of the reason why the father said no to Jesus was so that Brian could have, come on now, a peace at the end of his 23 years. Because for Brian, he knew that death was not a period at the end of his life. But because he knew the one called Jesus, it was a comma, a transition as he went into real life. Can somebody shout real life, real life, real life, eternal life? It's part of why. Jesus had to hear no, so Brian, period, could be turned to a comma. And so it is for you, and so it is for me. It could be that the no you're engaging with is either a yes but not yet, or perhaps it is an emphatic no, uh, but, but, but it has everything to do with God's timing. And then, of course, uh, let me just give you quickly several other reasons as we hasten through. Another reason that God may be saying no to you or may have said no to you at a time when you desperately need it may be broken relationships. Just type in the chat, broken relationships. Listen to what Jesus says in Mark chapter 11. Here's what he says. He says, therefore, I tell you that whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and check it out. And it will be yours. Now, just circle that. Keep that in your mind. I'm going to come back to that because, you know, that doesn't always comport to our experience. Believe that you can receive it, whatever you ask, and it will be yours. Come on. We're going to come back to that just a little later from now. Uh, and then he says, and it will be yours. But then watch what he goes on to say. And when you stand, check this out, praying, ready to receive what you're praying for. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them right there on the spot so that your Father in heaven may forgive you of your sins. Here's the suggestion that, that, that Jesus is, is suggesting here, that, 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 that broken relationships can hamper God moving in your life. That's what he's suggesting. That's what he's suggesting. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter chapter 3 says this to husbands, says husbands, don't you think you can dominate and, and, and abuse your wives and think your prayers will not be hampered? It's nothing more than, than if you walked in the room and you saw one of your kids in a, uh, uh, initiating a fight with a sibling. And you had to break up the fight and it was all mean and ugly and all of this. And, 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 the, and, the, and the, the kid who initiates the fight an hour later asks you, can they go to the movies? What are you going to say? No! <laughs> I'm not treating you until you can figure out how to treat your sibling. Can somebody shout relationships matters? So you might need to check your relationships. Perhaps to know maybe it could have to do with wrong motives. Can you shout wrong motives? Wrong motives. 
Listen to what Jesus says in James. He says this. Listen, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask him, you don't get it. You know why? Because you ask with wrong motives. You're pursuing your pleasures rather than God's purposes. That's the suggestion of the text, guys. So you have to check your motives. I'm thinking about uh, James and John's mother. Jesus is getting close to, 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 to Jerusalem. He's getting ready to move towards crucifixion. She's thinking he's going he's gonna to orchestrate a revolution, right? And so, and so she pulls Jesus to the side. She says, come here, Jesus, check it out. You know, my boys, James and John, they, 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 they just awesome. You know, other disciples, they're nice, but they're not like my boys. So listen, when you get in your glory, when you're sitting on the throne, would you just do me a favor? Let one of my boys sit on your right and the other one sit on your left. Would you just handle that? Can somebody shout, wrong motives? <laughs> the answer is no. And here's a, another final reason. Perhaps you ask, but you don't have the faith. You know, one of my favorite passages is the father brings his son to Jesus. The son has been tortured by a spirit, evil spirit. has tried to kill him multiple times. He brings the boy to Jesus. He says, Jesus, would you, would you, heal, him? Would you heal him if you can? Jesus says, if I can. You obviously don't know who you're talking to. He says, all things are possible to them that believe. And, and the text says, and the boy's father immediately breaks out and he cries. And he says, he says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Isn't that you? Isn't that me at various moments? Sometimes I want to believe. But all of the stuff we're seeing makes it difficult. He says, help my unbelief. Faith is important. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I, I like one of my favorite stories. A woman had a hemorrhage of blood for 12 years, uh, and she heard Jesus coming through town. She made her way through, touching him of his garment. Jesus turns and says to her, woman, our faith has healed you. So I want you to listen really, really important here, really, really good here. This is super important. Faith is incredibly important as we seek to engage God. And yet faith is not all-powerful. It is not a magic button that we push that forces God. You know, there's some teaching that says that, that if you just, if you, if, you, if you pray a certain formula, God has to do what, what you want him to do. And when you get to that point, you call that faith. It's not faith. Listen to what, what, what Jesus, what the, the John writes in 1 John, and he helps to expand upon what Jesus had said earlier. He says, if you ask anything, you know, uh, it will be done. You remember that? I told you I was coming back to Listen to how John says, I want to make sure y'all don't misunderstand what he said. So John says this, look, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God that, that, that if we ask anything, here is the word, According to his will. There's that phrase that just keeps coming up. Remember, I told you at the very beginning that, that, that our task is to discover what's the will of God. And, 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 and prayer should lean into the will. Jesus says that, that he had come solely to do God's will, the Father's will, not his will. According to his will. And we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us. Then whatsoever we ask, we know we have what we ask for if it aligns with what he's already has purposed 
to do. All right. I'm about to land here in the text where we started as we close this out. I wanted to give you just some of those ways to think about prayer. What's your dominant image for prayer? You know, for some of us, the dominant image we have for prayer is really that of a crowbar. It's a crowbar that we use to pry open the treasure chest of heaven to get the things we need. And I'm not scolding anyone about that. That's, that's an okay image to have. Sometimes we need prayer as a crowbar. But it shouldn't be your dominant image. You know the dominant image, the number one image that you should have for prayer that really shapes how you pray since you're here to serve a higher purpose? It should be that of an open door. An open door. Yeah, I think about uh, 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 John in Revelation chapter 4. He says he looked up in heaven and he saw an open door and he heard a voice that said, come on up here and, 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 and get close to me. Uh, the voice says, so I can show you what's going to take place after this. In other words, get close to me and understand better what I'm doing in the world. Prayer is an invitation for us to pursue a deeper relationship with a God who does life with us. The joys and the sadnesses, the highs and the lows. And for us to discern how do we in our life serve his greater and sometimes his greater purpose requires God to say no okay I'm, I, I'm just landed here you, 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 you can see it right you see Jesus in the, in the, in the garden you see him, you see him. He's, he's thinking about crucifixion which is not in the Roman tradition the cross was not just an instrument of death it was an instrument of dehumanization that crucifixion was a process that started with them beating you uh, almost, almost, almost ragged of your skin and, 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 and beating you next near death and then, and then forcing you to carry a cross and then stretching you out in front of the, the entire world totally nude, uh, hanging from the cross with your bodily fluids draining from you. It was, about, it was about shame and dehumanization and then ultimately death. And he's thinking about this. And, and so we find him. We find him. I like how Mark puts it. We find him. He says, he says he goes a little further and he prays this unique prayer. He says, he says, he says, if it were possible, note that if it was possible, he prayed that the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. And he, he, he leans into the relationship. He says, Abba. Can somebody shout Abba? He says, Abba. Type it in the chat, Abba. That's, him. That's another way of saying Daddy. That's another way of saying Papa. That's what the little kids would do. They would crawl up in, 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 in Daddy's lap, and they would say, Papa. It was, he, he's leaning into the intimacy. He's saying, he's saying, Daddy. He's saying, listen, all things are possible to you. Now, notice that. On the one hand, he says, if it's possible. Then on the other hand, he says, yet all things are possible. What he's really saying is, if you want to do this, you actually can do this. I know you can do it. 
Now, you got, you got charge over the environment. Uh, I stood up on a ship one day, and the, the storm was trying to wipe us out. And you said, yes, and I come the ship. You, I, I know you can do this if you want to. I, 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 you've, got, you've got charge over, over human biology. Come on now. I, 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 I can tell the story about eyes that was open from blindness and people who were lame that left me going walking because you said, yes. You, you've got power over, over difficult circumstances. I had 5,000 plus people in front of me with no food, and, and, and I looked at you, and you said yes, and we, we, we broke some fish and some bread, and, 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 and you fed the 5,000 plus. Come on now. Changing their circumstances. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. You can do it. The question is, will you? And my time is running out. The mob is coming. We're down to hours, a matter of minutes now. Will you? Mm. And then, and then, and then here comes a strange encounter. The echoing answer comes in the midst of the silence. No. No. And, and right in the midst, as he's praying so hard that his sweat is like drops of blood, the echo of no. But then this strange encounter happens, y'all. Come on now. Uh, 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 because it is as though the father says, you know, listen, listen, listen. This is, here's the experience. When my kids were little, uh, toddlers, and every now and then we'd be outside. They'd be outside playing, and they'd pick up a stick or a rock, and they'd want to eat it. And I said, put that stick away. Don't eat the rock. Just put that down. And then I, I can almost see it. They'd stand back and they look at me and they look at the rock and they're so upset. And then they just start crying. Ah! And you know what I do? I reach out and I grab them and I pull them in close and I just hug them. I said, baby, it's going to be all right, but you can't eat that rock, but it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And they're in the brace of my love, even though they couldn't get what they thought they needed. Come on now. They knew I loved them. And in this moment, Jesus has an encounter. And an angel is dispatched. Come on now. Representing the, the arms and the heart of the father and shows up where he is. And it's almost like the angel says, we can't say yes. Come on now. Because the salvation of the world depends upon it. We can't say yes because something greater is going on. We can't say yes. Because if you escape this death, nobody will ever escape death. Come on now. But if you go through death and conquer it, then you will kill death itself. Come on, y'all. Everybody goes free. We can't say yes. But the Father wants you to know he loves you. The Father wants you to know he's got you. And, 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 and the text says Jesus was strengthened. Here it is. Strengthened. Somebody listening to me. I don't know when the answer is coming, but what you need to ask the Father to do is just strengthen me. Strengthen me. And then you notice I'm finished. There's a pivot that takes place. I'm finished, y'all. You know, I love basketball. And when you watch basketball, you know anything about basketball, you got to pivot late, y'all. And, and, and you get a ball in your hand, and you can move any direction you want to move, but you can't move that pivot foot. You got to keep that pivot foot stay, right, right. And, and, and I can see Jesus planting that pivot foot, pivot foot of faith, just like Brian planted the pivot foot of faith. And, and he says, he says, God, I, uh, Father, I want you to do this. Will you do it? And the answer came back, no. The answer comes back, no. And then you watch him. 
pivot because he remembers that I'm here to serve something greater. And he pivots and he says, yet it's not what I want. It's, it's, it's what you want. That's my highest priority. Not my will, but your will be done. He pivot, shall pivot. Somebody listen to me. It's time for you to pivot. See, in the midst of the no, it's not what I want. I'm going to trust you. And trust that God is doing something greater. But oftentimes it doesn't feel greater. So you have to lay in here. You have to be able to say, God is doing something different. But I, 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 I trust his character. He's for me, not against me. He loved me so much that he gave his son for me. I trust him. Like Bryant knew, either now or in eternity, it's going to work for my good. Here's where I ended. There's so many prayers that I've prayed that God did not answer. And over 30 years of ministry, I can tell you about miracles after miracles after miracles that he did do. But some of the unanswered prayers just shattered my heart. But I finally come to a place in my life that when I approach God in prayer, I got faith. I believe that he can. And I always believe that he will. And yet I've walked with him long enough to know that if he says no, I still believe because he's, I trust that he's doing something greater. And it will always be for my good. And everybody shouted amen, amen, and amen. Okay, Palm Sunday. This is your weekend to take a step, a transformational step towards Jesus. So scan the code right here on the connection card. It's going to take you to our next steps with Jesus. And your first opportunity, the first option is to say yes to being a Jesus follower right now. Follow him all the way through even unanswered prayers into the destiny that he has declared for your life. There's some other options for you as well. And then, you know, every week I try to shape a prayer that, that you can internalize this message and really engage with God. So check out uh, the message response. Here's the prayer. Say this prayer with me. I want you to take a picture of it and hold on to it. God, help me to trust your no's like I trust your yeses. And then here's a reflection question. I want you to work through simply this. Where has God said either no or not yet in my life? And how have I responded? 